Hello and welcome. You're listening to the ITN Business Extra podcast on AI and big data, a force for good. I'm David Harper and coming up, we're going to have a look at the rapid rise of artificial intelligence and big data and the myriad ways in which it's affecting both our working lives and our home lives. And joining me here in the studio at ITN, we've assembled a panel of people all with their own unique background and experiences of the growing and fascinating world of AI. We have Marianne Russon, a tech and science journalist working for, amongst others, the London Evening Standard and the BBC. Very much her job to be on the pulse of the latest technological developments and how they're being received in society. Hello, thank you for being with us. Hello. Uh, We also have Ian Simons from the Chartered Insurance Institute. Insurance, of course, being an industry that is possibly one of the most critical users of statistical data. Ian, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And finally, uh, let me introduce Tia Talks. She values love over paper because she grew up in a place of danger. A little baby in a manger. She had no one to save her. Got her head down and turned a new page. Book smart, wanted to make change. Didn't know how, but she tried anyway. Boys distracting her from her aim. Now she stepped through, shut down any stage. Up there with the legends, BBK. The pain led her to the game. She broke the generational chain, but they're still trying to get her. Knock her stride, doing well, so they're going to try. And Tia is an underground electronic musician with an insight into the use of AI, not just creatively, but also in the logistical side of managing an artistic career, which I'm sure we'll talk about a lot more later on. Tia, hello. Hello. So let's get going. Our programme's called AI and Big Data, a force for good. So how is AI likely to be a force for good? Here is Professor Cowell Road from King's College London talking specifically about the way AI, about the way AI is likely to develop in healthcare. What artificial intelligence allows us to do is to capture the training and the experience of literally thousands of people very, very quickly and embed that into a computer algorithm. Um, So we've captured uh, much more than any single person could capture in a lifetime. AI will allow us to identify those patients and get them treated not just within the two weeks, but potentially within two days. So... Uh, Putting aside any reservations about ethics or need for regulation in the moment, it is something we'll discuss in a short moment. But how is AI going to be a force for good in general society? Marianne, your thoughts on this? AI will be a force for good, I believe, because it's going to be able to allow us to make decisions more quickly and process huge amounts of big data. I mean, um, I think it's always important when you have any AI discussion to remember that we didn't just suddenly wake up one way one day in the world and we started talking about AI last year with ChatGPT. Chat um, AI was actually developed began to be developed in the 1960s, and we've had some version of AI um, that many businesses already use. Definitely over the last 20 years, increasingly over the last 10 years. So it's already being used for good in ways that we don't really recognize. It's being used to speed up response times, process data more quickly, um, help businesses make faster decisions. It's going to be about taking huge amounts of information that we already have in the world and looking for useful answers and useful solutions to the challenges we face today. Uh, Moving on to you, Ian, I know insurance is a bit of a divisive issue amongst a lot of people, but um, are there ways in which people will will think of it as as a force for good? I definitely agree with Marianne there that uh, uh, to any extent to which it can be good or bad, it's really more of an enabler of uh, how 
something gets done. So if you choose to use it for good, I'm sure we can do a lot more things more quickly, more efficiently. And uh, insurance has lots of uh, processes, uh, both for customers, whether it's filling out forms or, or whatever, um, and for the businesses themselves, analysing data, etc. It can be done a lot more quickly. Um, so in terms of enabling people to do more with the time, that's definitely a a good opportunity. And moving on to you, Tia, I hope you won't mind me dwelling on this, but you're, you're a bit younger than the rest of us maybe on the panel and perhaps uh, maybe have a, an interesting different viewpoint. Do you have quite a positive view of how AI is going to be uh, developing in the future? I have a bit of an open mind when it comes to technology and advances. And I think it's it's inevitable that there's going to be technological advances. And I think rather than be afraid of them, it's better to just adapt. And I think it can benefit businesses, consumers um, and, and freelancers such as myself as well, because uh, I feel like year by year there's there's new platforms there's new things to there's just constantly new 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 technologies thrown at us so again there was a lot of buzz when chat gpt first came out um i don't think i kind of gave it a go until about early this year so early 2023 i asked it to write me um, a verse a 16 a grime verse and i really didn't expect it to be able to do that be it grime being such a niche genre and it did and i was really taken aback by it actually what was it what was your view of the quality of what it produced um, it wasn't awful um, it was better than I expected put it that way I mean I, I, I took it and I tried to say it myself and I, yeah I was quite impressed uh, I was quite impressed it wasn't great but it wasn't awful and um, that I was getting to grips with the capabilities of the technology there and then when I came back to it in the future it was okay I know what I can do with this now I understand what prompt to put in to get the kind of desired result and that's really important as well there is a way to use it to achieve the outcomes you're trying to achieve and if you don't know that, then it's not going to work for you as well. And I think having AI thrown into the mix um, and it's more accessible to the general public, I feel like it helps us kind of keep up with the times in that sense. Um, so I have a positive outlook on it. I definitely think um, the clip that you played about healthcare, I think that was really important because, again, putting ethics aside, um, big data and being able to analyse big data um, using AI, I think that can massively, massively impact the way we live our lives. And um, I think that's a beneficial thing for sure. Let's have a look now at maybe some of the more specific issues and uh, an, an interesting clip that we found. OK, so I've asked you to produce a piece on the ethical dilemma of AI. We asked ChatGPT to answer the same question as these pupils at Caterham High School. So Richard, two of the eight bits of homework I gave you were generated by AI. Mm -hmm. Any guesses which ones? Um, well, I picked two here. Some of the language I would assume was not their own. You've got one of them right? Yeah. The other one was written by a kid. Students are already more across the tech than many teachers. You can use it to oh, okay. point you in the right direction for things like research, but at the same time you can use it to hammer out an essay in about five seconds that's worthy of an A. If only it were that easy when I was in school. Uh, that, that is from a Channel 4 news report. I got very few A's, incidentally. Uh, that was from a Channel 4 news report featuring a teacher at Caterham High School being asked which pieces of homework were AI generated with some rather interesting results. And it does show how quickly people adapt uh, to a technology and find a way of integrating it into their lives. Well, everything is moving at quite a pace at the moment. So uh, I want to ask everyone here where AI is having the biggest impact with you at the moment. Uh, 
could be professionally, uh, could be anywhere. Starting with you, Ian, um, we, we touched a little bit on how your industry in particular is, is taking advantage of the growth in AI technology. Can you give us an example of, of how it has really changed something? Yeah, so... Um I don't work for an insurer. I work for a not-for-profit. Um, we actually look for developing professional standards in insurance. So one of the key things we have to do is is a little bit like we just talked about on the clip there, assess people's competences and capabilities. Are they able to um, enable the right outcome for a customer, whether that's settling a claim or coming up with the right risk premium and things like that? And so obviously we've got exactly the same potential risks there of people cheating or plagiarizing or using AI to to spoof that outcome the really interesting bit is maybe whether just like when calculators first came out or people were able to take in some other kind of technology that could get around the exam maybe it gives us an opportunity to look at assessing a different thing in a different way right and let's work with the technology and say fine ai is here to stay no question about that can we redesign these things in a way that isn't about take a test that make sure you've learnt what was in textbook but can we find a way of making sure that maybe in real time what you're doing is being assessed to to check whether it's as, as good as it possibly could be and maybe make learning part of the process of doing rather than turn up once when you're 18 to take an exam and then you say oh I know how to do this. Uh, let's turn to Tia now and and your experiences of AI now we we talked about your uh, your work in the music industry, but you're you're using it not just creatively, but also for some of the other aspects of what that involves. Yeah, so um, I'm self-managing. Um, so essentially, I'm my whole team. Um, and sometimes that can be quite overwhelming, especially, for example, around the days of my release and things like that, when there's a lot more going on. Um, so... I kind of kept finding myself stuck in this loop of becoming overwhelmed, burning out. And I was, you know, trying to figure out a way where I could just make things a bit more manageable. Um, so what I did was I went on ChatGPT and I thought, OK, how can I get ahead of the curve here? I was working on my um, on my music, so actually recording, just doing that process completely organically. Um, and I'm thinking ahead. I'm thinking, OK, I need a press release. I, I need, I'm going to send emails to all these people. What's the best way to market a music? project I'm a new musician um, did, did it come up with something that you maybe wouldn't have thought of on your own yeah definitely um, so TikTok advertising can be a great kind of separate way of getting your music out there um, again the ins and outs of it so, although I'm young TikTok in itself is such an overwhelming platform so yeah it allowed me to kind of have that bullet point list of things that I could kind of do and what I did was I picked at that list and I created my own list and then every time I had a question um, I would again pick at the answers it gave me and create my own list so that I can refer to that list in the future without having to go through the prompts and kind of pick pick at it. So I think it's better, more, more in depth than doing a Google search actually because if it asked me, if it gave me an answer and I wanted a bit more information, I could just follow up. It's almost if we talk about replacing a role with AI, you haven't really used AI to become your manager. It's more a personal assistant, perhaps. Exactly that, um, because I've always said, yeah, an assistant would be great. Um, but right now I haven't got one. So one thing that um, I massively use ChatGPT for in my latest release, thanks in advance, is I had it write my press release for me. Which is what we heard at the, at the beginning yes. of the programme. So I, I had it write my press release for me and it and, um 
it, it was quite interesting. It even had a quote in there of what I would have said about my music. And it said, um, to paraphrase, you know, this was a labour of love. I put a lot of effort into this and I hope you guys will enjoy it. it. Is that a bit weird, hearing AI putting effectively putting words into your definitely, mouth Definitely, like definitely. It was strange. And reading it on first glance, it didn't sound like how I would have written it. So what I did is I used it as the kind of skeleton of my press release. And I went in and um, I, you know, changed parts. I made it sound a bit more um, humanistic, if you will, and language that just related more. I chopped out bits and then I changed the quote. But however, I maybe wouldn't have put that quote in there, a quote of myself um, to say, yeah, this is what the project meant to me and X, Y and Z. It might have just been more simple. So it gave me that idea in the first place. And I think that was the key thing for me. Marianne, you're nodding along a lot to that. Is that a use of AI that you're seeing across lots of different areas of life, not just in the music industry? I'm I'm very interested to use your see that the way you've used it. I mean, I I do feel that definitely you know if you're like a solo entrepreneur, you're a small business, you know, you should definitely make use of as many, you know, resources free you know free that they might be that you could use. I think that it is a really really though pressing problem that they're using it in schools and academic institutions. And what academics are saying to me is they're still trying to work out what you know, what the new academic year will look like and how they put the boundaries in. Because a lot of this, a lot of the stuff, the way that ChatGPT writes all this stuff, it's a free service. One, it's using a probability of correct answers, whereby 20% of the time it will just put a random answer in there. Um, so it, you can't take it as gospel truth. But it's not a good use case for, let's just phone in the homework, like the student was saying in school. Well, hey, now I don't have to bother researching. or you know, Because a lot of the things you're learning when you're writing these papers, it's fundamentally teaching you how to create constructive arguments that you might need to use in your job one day, whatever industry you're in, and to take that away by pressing a button and five minutes later it spits something out. But would you use it as a tool to, to, to make your life easier? No. <laughs> because I know how to use the internet. I can Google just as fast. How long does it take me to Google? It takes, what, one second, 2.5 seconds to Google a query? That's exactly what it's doing. It, this is literally the souped-up version of, can I Google that for you? Uh, where I'd interject, I have used it uh, for places where I thought I couldn't Google that because sometimes it's looking just a step or two beyond. Not necessarily the right answer first time, but coming up with... Um, other prompts live rather than if I know what I'm looking for I can google it absolutely but come up with something that I don't know enough about to even know what the right question is you can start fishing a little bit earlier in that pipeline co-piloting I think is the most comfortable current frame of it it's not doing the job for you it's not um, replacing it but you give it some tasks it does a bit of the work and then you take it off them and then you give other bits back to it so I, I would definitely never let it do a job for me but I think there are bits of the task where I think you can get beyond just googling an answer. We are looking at the more positive side of AI in this program. There is no getting away from the fact, and we've touched on it all already, that there are many, many concerns about the way and the speed with which this technology is spreading. I want to play you a little clip now. This is uh, Josh Hawley, uh, Republican Senator for Missouri in the United States. We could be looking at one of the most significant technological innovations in human history. And I think my question is, what kind of an innovation is it going to be? Is it going to be like the printing press that diffused knowledge, or is it going to be more like the atom bomb? Huge technological breakthrough, but the consequences, severe. Uh, a very interesting point. Does anyone in this room know the answer? Uh, Maryam, 
my issue with a lot of the conversations about AI now was we have had AI and I've been writing about it very quietly for 10 years and nobody cared. And then suddenly they woke up that last year and went, oh, my God, we're all going to die and Robert's going to kill us all. And this is mostly because of things like ChatGPT that have made yeah. it into a headline. Yes. And that's and that's the issue is that if you actually talk to computer scientists and obviously this is my job, I talk to them probably every week. Right. So. They will tell you that nothing moves very fast, not not that fast. And the idea of an AI that's going to turn into the Terminator or, you know, like um, Isaac Asimov's iRobot, whereby they take over, it's like this big brain that takes over everything. Like, that's actually been the motto of IBM, one of the biggest tech companies in the world. Please stop thinking of AI as a big brain. It's not a big brain. Um, and the idea that AI will one day become smarter than us and then it will take over everything and then suddenly like the do- we'll try and leave the studio and the door will be locked and... You know, there'll be a lockdown in central London and all the cars will stop working and all the computers will stop working and the cameras will stop working and, you know, we'll just sit here and cry. That none of That's not a realistic outcome for AI because, one, it, AI is a computer algorithm. It's computer algorithms programmed by humans. Humans, the one thing I'm sure in the insurance industry you understand, which I have to constantly say to people is, please do not underestimate the potential for humans to be incompetent. And therefore, most problems that happen to do with any form of technology were due to somebody's incompetence, something, a mistake that they made. Do I think bad things will happen from AI due to mistakes that a human made somewhere along the chain? Absolutely. There is a point at which there could be a danger, and it may not be quite the Hollywood levels of danger that we've seen. But certainly in terms of the way large amounts of people's data is being used, that there is a risk there still. I'll bring Tia back in because um, a lot of what we've seen, and we, we've looked at a lot of the, uh, the, the the research into how people perceive AI, um, wh- whether rightly or not. And it does suggest that the, the, the younger you are, the more receptive you are, and, and perhaps the, the less of the risks you'll be worried about. I mean, do, do you worry a little bit about some of the nightmare AI scenarios? All these questions I'm asking ChatGPT, is it stored somewhere, you know? Um, what, what's the record of, of that? And who has access to it? And all of those kinds of questions that people don't necessarily tend to ask. Um, that Those are the things that I would be kind of questioning, you know, would a company be able to come along and buy the, the questions and the, just the whole interaction between me and ChatGPT? That's a concern for me. However, I think it's more of a positive thing. And I think maybe being a young person, um, I was kind of in secondary school when you know Instagram and all of that came out so I had the mix of of both you know I used to go out and play with my friends I didn't sit at home on an iPad all day however if I did then by the time I'm you know in my mid-20s I'm probably going to have a different perception to somebody that did go outside and play with their friends I might think that actually technology isn't such a bad thing um, that it can enhance our lives in various different ways etc but I think that that's kind of a part of a bigger thing of programming the next generation to slowly slowly see that this is the world that they're coming into now it's a different world than it was 20 years ago and in 20 years it will be a different world then as well there's a really interesting quote um that was written some years ago by the author douglas adams and we've, we've been looking at it quite a lot in the in the process of putting this program together and it, and it says i've from douglas adams i've come up with a set of rules that describe our reactions to technologies anything in the world when you're born is normal and ordinary and just a natural part of the way the world works anything invented between when you're 15 and 35 is new and exciting and revolutionary and you can probably get a career in it and anything invented after you're 35 is against the natural order of things. 
Um, we're talking specifically as part of this about the UK's role in the international AI scene. Uh, let me just play you a little bit of, of Rishi Sunak speaking to Channel 4 News uh, in an interview in the United States recently. The UK is the only country other than the US that has brought together the leading CEOs of the large AI companies, where we talked about the, the regulations that may be needed, the guardrails that we would want to put in place. When it comes to AI, the UK is unquestionably, by any metric, the leading democratic country outside of the US. When you look at the number of AI companies, the funding they receive, the quality of our research base, the talent we have, the only place that these large AI companies have opened overseas offices is the UK. So... AI is very much a political issue at the moment. Uh, people from across the political spectrum are hoping that it can be a big part of our future. But we do sit uh, behind the US and China in development. And turning to Marianne Frasset, I mean, your, your work within global broadcasters across the world, is the UK significantly different to other parts of the world? Are we really pushing this more than other places or are we slipping behind a bit? Um. I don't, I don't believe that the UK is first in terms of technological innovation. I believe that we have some of the best minds. It's always been this way. And ever since I've been reporting on this in the UK, you know, it's always said we come up with the best ideas and then they are then that knowledge from our universities, that research goes to a, someone else's country and they actually build a company and they build it and then it becomes a big thing there. We came up with the idea, but we never made the industry for it. And that is a big problem that we have too many sort of white collar ideas related industries, but not enough actually practical use. And we eventually will need to boost our economy by having more English grown, British grown, British grown things that we make. And then we actually build the factory here and we have the industry and we do it here and we can say this is our British grown technology that we made. So that's a big problem. Just turning to Ian for a minute. I mean, looking at what makes uh, a country attractive to to a company on the international market. I mean, people can locate anywhere these days it, within not just insurance, but but in business in general. It, is it is it possible to make the UK into a, into a standout place to be in 2023? Yeah, absolutely. And it's not all about the technology, the literally the wiring and the servers that exist. So, yes, we're nowhere near the US or even that particular few streets in California that that, that dominates the tech part of it but i think we still got an opportunity to lead in how it's used in certain sectors so for example we're working with southampton university to uh, develop skills in specific applications of ai within our sector so it's not about can we create our own gpt you know i mean the horse is bolted really it's more uh, how can we use that in you know, I'm going to get really boringly insurance again but you know it's it speeding up a certain part of a boring process or in spotting fraud online and things like that that would reduce the cost for people or speed up processes for people so I think we've still got great opportunities to do it it's not all about the, the technology the building and the making of the stuff but about how you use it um, to add value within business and I think that's what a lot of businesses still come to the UK for uh, globally is to uh, to be within a uh, a relatively stable um, regulatory framework with all the institutions and security around it to be able to invest for a medium to long term. Before we leave this, let's have a little bit maybe of a look ahead at what we might uh, see in the short to midterm future. I know, I know we touched on this before, but this is um, an interesting clip. Come a point where no job is needed. You can have a job if you want to have a job for sort of personal satisfaction, but the AI will be able to do everything. 
Now, you mentioned that, uh, Marianne, a little while ago, that the familiar voice of Elon Musk uh, talking to Rishi Sunak at the UK AI Summit at Bletchley Park in November. Does anyone in the room believe that there's any truth in that? I don't think even Elon can have done. I mean, he's, that's just a bizarre idea. I mean, people have been, people said that when spinning Jenny was invented and we'll all be out of work because these robots. Let, let's look at uh, what we what we think might happen though. So we sit here in late 2023 and we've had a really interesting discussion about the way we're, we're all interacting with AI at the moment. If this was 2024, five, six, what, what do we think we might be talking about um, in the previous 12 months or so? Tia, first of all. To me, I feel like it would be near enough the same conversation, just somewhat progressed. So depending on what's happened in that space of time, it will just continue to develop as its trajectory sets it to. It will continue to learn and get better and just become, you know, like we've discussed, a sort of assistant to the everyday person that's willing to engage with it. And I don't think everybody will be. So that's why I say in the next two or three years, I don't think the conversation would be massively different. Um, Ian, I mean, do you, do you think in, in the next year or two to come, are we going to see any great changes in the way we do it? Are we just going to see more people take it up? Within business, I see some pretty transformational changes pretty imminently. I see um, a big shift from not just co-piloting, but for, to coaching and training. So in my world, um, where I started off in my career, I learned through study texts, so textbooks, take some professional exams, but also sitting in an office next to some amazing underwriters or, you know, whatever, who had learned from what they're doing. Now, post-pandemic, we're less often sitting next to people doing that. But what if AI is sitting there, not in a creepy way, monitoring everything you do, but like Duolingo does, sorry to name check a particular one, but I use it a lot, it personalizes the training program for me saying, you made 15 mistakes on this kind of verb in the last week, so we're going to focus on that. If something's sitting near there, so you're not deciding I'm going to study for this thing, but something's plugged into your normal way of working and saying, here's some areas you could improve on and here's how I can help you either in the moment, as in I'll correct you, or if not correct, nudge and direct and say this might be a better answer. Uh, particularly within business, that's where from a compliance and regulation point of view, firms need to have real visibility on that and take accountability for better decisions, but also for individuals. Instead of saying, shall I spend three years studying for something, take an expensive qualification? Yeah, you're probably going to want to do that as well. But throughout later life, how can I plug this into my normal way of working? I see a, a, a big investment in that. And Marianne, finally, uh, your chance to look ahead a bit. Are, are there any? Do you think there are any surprising developments that we might see around the corner? I know it's difficult to make a prediction, but looking at the direction we're heading. The next thing for um, artificial intelligence computer scientists is that they're now talking about, because of the fact the computer is dumb, right? It cannot truly replicate even the intelligence of an infant baby. Um, and so basically, they're now trying to develop something called causal AI, which is whereby it's not just saying, right, spit out an answer, but it's saying, okay, but are you able to teach the computer to reflect on the cause of why this, why this decision has been made, why the humans made this decision, why this thing happened, and can you come up with a consequence? Can you understand that? The idea at the moment now is that AI can say, right, we've gone through huge amounts of data, you're using your stuff very inefficiently, you could have done this job with, with just two-thirds of people because you're technically paying one-third of them to do nothing. That's what an AI can do at the moment. But then there's still a human to, to look at that and decide whether or not they want that, or want to make a decision. But the idea is to go, why? Why are you using so many people? So if, if not 
becoming more human, at least having a better understanding of how humans think. Yeah, of, of society and how it works. But that that's a very complex thing. So even to try that, we're just in the basic conversations of how you would try and make that work. But that is the idea, is to try and make it more intelligent. I know we could talk about this uh, for a long, long time. Uh, it is a fascinating subject and there are so many facets to it. And I'm glad that we've managed to bring so many different experiences uh, here today. Uh, that is about all we've got time for, though, I'm afraid. Thank you very much to Marianne Russ and Ian Simons and Tia Talks for joining us here today. This has been an ITN Business Extra podcast on AI and big data, a force for good. I've been David Harper and thank you for joining us. Thank you.